everybody. Welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hutink, back with our co-host, Christian Conway. And so the sun sets on another year. Yeah, I can't believe there went the 2022 MLS season and to the chagrin of us LA Galaxy fans, uh, LAFC took the title. Um, Yeah, go for it. I, I think it was it was an interesting year, um, and I was looking at some old photos trying to figure out you know what I was going to post for for my reflection. It it was a long year, oddly enough. You know, you talk about the US Open Cup run, you talk about you know this playoff situation. I, I mean, this was a very long year for the Galaxy, but um, I mean, I I don't know how you feel about the season, but I I I guess my my quick kind of point is I come into the season very proud of where the club is right now versus where it was over the past two years. I completely agree with that. Um, it's pretty incredible. I mean, I know that as Galaxy fans with our high expectations and, you know, our criticisms, uh, you know, I think it's fair assessments. You know, everybody's always saying, you know, the social media for the Galaxy is off the chain. But, you know, you know, the other thing is, yeah, after the roller coaster of emotions and where this club literally started this season, I mean, for us to end on a high note, and it wasn't even just because of the way that we played against LAFC, there were a lot of moves that kind of gave us a lot of faith um, in this team before we even made playoffs. It was like, you know, these guys start playing with heart. They start showing up. They start showing that they care. They start stepping up. You know, you know, there's a lot of things going on with Cabral and, you know, even Gaspar at times, you're like, you know, oh, great. He's getting subbed in and, you know, questionable decisions that Vanny did, whether that's subbing or who he started or, you know, quote unquote, washed up Costa and like the frustrations that we all experienced. I think for us as a club to be able to overcome all of that and then get us excited and be proud of this team again. And, you know, we've seen some of the most beautiful moments of soccer this year. Um, and of course it was against LAFC in the open cup. That was like one of the, my, my favorite highlights of the season. And, you know, El Trafico never disappoints. And to be honest, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, like, like we're saying, like the galaxy, it was just one of those games that the pendulum swung the other way, but you know, LAFC ended up winning. And I think, you know, at the end of the season, yeah, Philly was a great team. Um, They really gave LAFC a run for their money. I don't know what ended up happening with those penalty kicks, but you know, when you look over that, that final match and you just think, I know I'm kind of getting ahead, but like when you look at that that final match and you're just like, yeah, like who played better at the end of it? It was fair. It was a fair final. That's all I can say about that. I, I agree with the fair final concept. Um, I think that that goes without saying. Um, I think they the the two best teams in MLS met in that final. Um I I what I would say is I think with the play FL Trafico, and I think we'll 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 take this from a galaxy perspective, because I mean that's generally what we do here on Simply Soccer. What the Galaxy were so good at all season against LAFC and what they did so well was they basically forced LAFC to be organized. And what I think LAFC, what, and, and, and Philadelphia kind of fell for this as well, right? Where LAFC likes to bait you into moments of banality, right? Where they like to bait you into moments where you lose your head 
and then they can take advantage of those moments. You saw it with, you know, some of the antics that were happening with, you know, Ripley Pooch and Diego Palacios and, and Mario, you know, like there was kind of moments and then they, they take advantage of those moments. And ethics wise, it's a little gray. I, I, I'll fully admit that, but it's a strategy nonetheless, right? Like, you know, if you can frustrate your opponent, if you can get them into positions of uncomfortable, uh, of, of being uncomfortable, well, then you're, you're going to be successful because you put them in a position where they're not focused on the game plan. And if you look at this game against LAC that the Galaxy played, I mean, 60% possession, 11 shots, you know, four on goal. You know, I mean, they passed them to death. But LAC just managed the moments of chaos just that little bit better. And good, and and, and I've said this a lot, and I, I've, I think I've said this a couple of times on the podcast this year. Good teams get yourself get themselves into positions to be successful. Great teams finish those moments of success. The Galaxy are a good team. They got themselves into moments of success against LAFC. They scored two goals. Probably should have had three. You know, they were good on the night. But if you look at that first 20 minutes against LAFC, they probably should have had two goals. And then, but a good team, you know, so a good team gets into those positions. A great team finishes those moments. And again, we've talked about it all season. It's about the wingers. It's about the fact that, again, the Galaxy get themselves into good positions or great positions but they never get payoff for that. And that was the problem all season. And against LAFC in that playoff game, it reared its head large. You know, they got themselves into very good positions, high percentage opportunities. Did any of them go in? Not really. Um, so I, I think that's going to be the story of this offseason. And we're kind of conflating a couple things because we do have a lot of threads to pull here. I think the, the, the story of the LA Galaxy in 2022 will be, well, they were a good team, but they weren't a great team. And... I think it's going to be the fact that, you know, we had a bunch of wingers that couldn't finish. You know, Chicharito scores however many goals, I think it was 15. But, you know, he didn't have anyone else around him. They didn't score a lot of goals because they just, they got themselves into good positions, but no one finished those moments. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the goals the Galaxy did score, I mean, we've, we had golosos right there. And it was like every time against LAFC too, it was like, it wasn't just, you know, whatever goals, I mean, of course there were, there were their share as well, but I just felt like you saw some of the most amazing golazos that you're going to see, um, you know, from this team right now, um, you know, just the Galaxy, quick, uh, quick, yeah, go quickly for it. on the golazos point uh, for the playoff game. I, I have the expected goals map up right now. Um, Grand Sears goal uh, in the 43rd minute was a nine, uh, 9.51% chance going in. Dayon's goal in the 84th minute was a 4.32 chance going in. Like they were scoring some really low percentage goals. Um, but the the framework is there. You could see it in moments against LAFC. It just never really came fully through. Yeah. And then moving forward, right, with the changes that we're already starting to see the Galaxy make. Um yeah, we've we've already got questions. We're like, why are you letting Derek Williams go? You know, I think we're very well, I can only speak for myself. I'm I'm clingy now of the players that are good because, yeah, we've been waiting for a club so long to be able to play like that in the playoffs. Um, that you're just like, wait, 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 who are you letting go? What what's what's gonna happen now? And I'm definitely not a Vanny out person. Um, I think that that changing the coach right now is only gonna hurt the club. They need the consistency. Yeah, there's frustrating decisions, but you know, we gotta give we gotta give any another chance. He is 
more than qualified. Uh, you know, this is coming from a rebuild year, coming from us not making the playoffs. To be able to to advance like this, it's like you got to look at the progress that's being made and under who it's who it is. You know, um, of course, we wish that there were other changes. You know, at the top, but you know, it is what it is in, in terms of that. Uh, Christian, something to add with that? Well, I, I think what was interesting, and I think this was a, a growth year, and, and when we talk about MLS teams, usually we talk about them in three-year cycles, right? We talk about the first year when a new coach takes over. It's about establishing himself, establishing you know, their quote-unquote dominance over the front office, over the team, over the selections, over the the processes by which the front office operates. That felt a lot like 2020 or 2021 was that kind of thing. This is the year where, okay, so they have, you know, they bring in a ton of new players, they bring in a massive framework, they create this kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, 2022, or sorry, so 2021 was that kind of that that establishment year. 2022 was that year of honing the knife. 2023 is theoretically the year where that's going to all come together. They have made some moves this offseason, you know, obviously offloading Cameron Dunbar and Derek Williams. And again, we'll, we'll, as we continue our, our postseason coverage, this is going to be an ever-changing thing. They're trying to get a lot of cap space. There is rumor that Aaron Long over in New York is not happy about the Red Bulls. Well, I mean, they're clearing a ton of cap space. Kind of makes sense that they're going to make a run at him. Um, I, I just think you look at the game against Nashville in the playoffs, right? Where I, you and I came on this podcast and we said, you know, how elegant they were, how excellent they were in midfield. And that's going to be the, the thing here, which is, that core trio of Delgado, Brugman, and Pooch, that's going to be where the building block comes because, you know, the center back pairing, I think them letting Derek Williams go was an acquiescence to the fact that he was not going to be a starter in the system no matter what happened anymore um, because they are probably looking at center back as a position of need. But if they can get that midfield trio operating again, and we saw it against Nashville, we saw flashes of it at multiple times, the game against New England in New England where Pooch hits that crazy pass to um, to Chicharito to score that I believe was the first goal. Um, the, 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 there's, I think with the galaxy this year, it was like, okay, there's a moment here where like, if they can build on this over, they don't even need to do it over 32 games. They can do it over maybe 15 games. They're fine. Everything's going to be great. And we saw it in moments against LAFC. I think the two goals they score, uh, yes, they're low percentage goals, but the movement into those goals. I mean, obviously Daniel Yovich's goal is a moment of just individual brilliance, but the movement for Grand Sears goal was so just kind of very calculated and smart and confident and just instilled so much confidence. And and I think it was very telling that LAFC, a lot of the players and a lot of the staff came out and said, this was a completely different Galaxy team than the team we played in the Open Cup in the regular season. Like, we were not expecting what we got. And so I think with, like, Pooch and Brugman coming in and, I guess, stabilizing everything – that makes a big difference. And they're going to have to make some big decisions in the offseason. I mean, it does feel that they're either clearing cap space to go big for Aaron Long or they're clearing cap space to buy out one of the two DPs between Costa and Cabral because, I mean, they've tied their flag to, to Chicharito. But it does feel like it's not... It doesn't feel as hopeless as it has before, right? Like, I remember, you know, we closed out the 2018 season. We closed out the 2019 season. I mean, the our end of season review for the 2020 season was was dire. You know, we were we were in a bad place. But I come out of this season, and yes, the emotion of that game against LAFC in the playoffs still stings. But I'm not as I'm not as like 
negative as I thought it was going to be. I'm, I'm, I, I think there's something here, and it's a question of just you know, eighty percent of the statue is is hewn out of the out of the marble. Now we just got to get that last you know ten twenty percent done. Yeah, and I know that you know a lot of LAFC fans are going to want to flaunt their wins over us. And the thing is, like when it came to that playoff game, there really wasn't much that LAFC fans could say. I mean, yeah, they they won, but the thing is, the Galaxy put such fight, and that game was so close that again, it's just one of those soccer games. It's like, look, anything could have happened in our our team. Yeah, they played from behind, but they played with such fight and with such gusto and. You know, the little error that was made, it's like, look, this is this is the things that the Galaxy have always had trouble with all season. And so nothing came to a surprise. You know, it's like, OK, so what are we going to do to get these things refined next time? Especially now that we have to adjust with movements that are going to be made. Um, yeah. In the roster. So, you know, with that said. And quickly, yeah. Yeah. It does feel like they're ramping up for something big in this offseason. I, I don't think they unload Dunbar and Williams. And I'm assuming they're probably going to unload Gasper. It doesn't feel like they're going to do those kind of things unless they're thinking big. And I applaud that. I especially I look at the team with 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 Pooch and how different that team looked. I don't think Derek Williams would have survived in that ecosystem. Um, I, I, I do think they're looking at, okay, we need a ball-playing center back. I, I think that the, the we, we've talked about it here. The inevitable shift to the three five two is coming. I feel it. It's 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 a bit like Game of Thrones. Winter is coming. The three five two is coming. Um, it, it does feel like there's going to be at least one just move that kind of rattles the sails a little bit that we weren't expecting that they're going to make. Because I know Vanny, he's an ambitious guy. You know, he's he look at what he did in Toronto in four years' time. I mean, he took them to an MLS Cup final after being absolutely down the dumps he has so many more resources here than he did at Toronto when he walked in there. It's not like he's, you know, flying blind here. He's done this before. Um, and I, I do think there's going to be one or two very big moves. I mean, you talk about some of the free agents that are available, you know, Alejandro Pozuelo, they might try to run that back one more year. I mean, I'd love to see a dual pivot 10 with Pozuelo and Pooch as playing one off one another. That would be phenomenal. Um, we would never play defense, but it would be fun. Um, but yeah, I, I just think there's going to be one or two very big moves coming down the pipe um, as we 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 look into the year. And the other thing about it is we have the expansion draft, right, with with Salt Lake City. So there's there's that. You know, we don't know the complications of that. Um, I think there's probably going to be a Galaxy player selected. I just looking at the the unprotected list. Um, I'm hoping it's Douglas Costa. Uh, hopefully, someone tries to take on that contract. But you know, you know, if they lose Jonathan Klinsman or Kel- Kelvin Leardam or or Zavaleta, it's not the end of the world. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just, I, again, I, I feel good about things right now. Like I didn't expect to say this, you know, and I look at a lot of what we accomplished this year as a team, right? Quarterfinals of the U S open cup, you know, they went a home playoff game. What was the last time we won a home playoff game? 2016. Um, it's just like they, I think there's a lot of people that get lost in the trappings of the fact that the club across the 110 accomplished more this year. And that's fine. Let them do that. That's okay. You know, they were the best team in MLS this year. There's no questions about that. Let them have their success. What we need to do is focus on what we have at Dignity Health Sports Park. And quite frankly, considering the seasons we've had since 2017, the Galaxy had every objective they could possibly want to. Credible attendance. Made the quarterfinal of the US Open Cup. You know, won a home playoff game. Pushed LAC to the brink, quite frankly. If that game had gone to extra time, I think the Galaxy win that. You know, they've they've accomplished all of the tangible 
things you need for a team that is kind of coming back into prominence. Are there structural issues? Hell yeah, there are. Is there very big questions about this front office? Incredibly. But what they accomplished this year is something that should not be shied away from. Like it should be celebrated because unfortunately the standard has changed. I know there's a lot of Galaxy fans that believe that we should be competing for MLS Cup every year. That's not true. Like no team outside of like Real Madrid, Barcelona, and like Bayern Munich and PSG compete for a title every year. Like your teams ebb and flow. We're now in, in, in a bit of an ebb period, but it does feel like the tide's turning around to the flow period. And I think this year was kind of an indication of this is what this team can be. Yeah. And what I'm going to add to, you know, is that we got to host the playoffs for one. And then also, oh no, well, well, no, we didn't. Yeah, we were at a game. Duh. Okay. Sorry. It's been a minute. So, but what I, what I was trying to, to get at um, actually was that, and I'm not trying to be petty, but I'm just going to say, listen, this is the easiest MLS cup for LAFC to have won. They didn't have to play every single team. When you look at the championships that the galaxy have won and we've won the most still in the league, you know, there used to be an extra leg. There used to, there used to be so much more competition and the galaxy have still so much more silverware, but yes, this is like, you know, the ghost of galaxy past, right. We're well, hanging I mean, on to, to those things. But I just say like, you know, I'm not saying LAFC didn't deserve to win this season and everything, but look, next season is going to be even more challenging. They're going to add games to it, you know? So it's like, yeah, they're trying to hang on to this glory. I don't really feel like, you know, th- that LAFC fans know the heartbreak of your team going to MLS cup and not winning. I mean, they almost had it. That was a very adrenaline inducing, like anybody who says soccer is boring, like that game, you know, had everything. That final but, that final was the most unhinged soccer game I've ever watched. That was absolutely. Insane. And yeah. And, and for the ref to remain fair, like after all of that. So, you know, these are things that the galaxy that we fans know that we've, the galaxy have made an MLS cup run nine times and have won five. So that means four heartbreaks that, that we know that we understand what it takes that LAFC fans haven't had to experience yet. And they don't know. So yes, let them have this because I guarantee it's not going to, it's not going to be this way. You know, these are just like, I mean, it's kind of like the Rams winning the Super Bowl. It's like, okay, who cares? They haven't been here that long, you know, and they haven't had to go through all of the things and the experiences. And yeah, people say like, oh, well in 25 years, let's see where LAFC is and the things we experienced. Sure. The galaxy will be 50 years old by then. Yeah. And we'll have, you know, that. So I think there's that. I think there's, that's a fair point. I also would say that, um, I also would say that it really helped LAFC that Austin didn't decide to show up in the conference final. Um, Austin just decided to kind of roll over. And and I mean, full credit to Philadelphia. They pushed them to the brink. I mean, that was, again, as I said, the most unhinged game of soccer I think I've ever watched. Um, I, what I would say is next year, and, and obviously we'll do the Simplies next week and we'll do a very horrible parody of the Oscars. And it's going to be great and I can't wait. The the schedule next year, as is presently constituted, with the League's Cup being a full month and a full month break in between, you know, the the, the split season in Mexico and all that. Next year is going to be a really weird year, I think, because you're going to have a lot of people coming off of a Winter World Cup. They're going to have to go into a full club season within, you know, three, four weeks. And then they're going to have to play a full year. I don't know what to expect out of next season. and. 
I think we're going to learn a lot of things about, you know, the way that how horribly we abuse athletes in terms of the system right now, um, in terms of the amount of, of length we demand out of them in terms of their legs. But for the galaxy, I think what next year has to be is ignoring the challenge or the, uh, the league's cup, excuse me, I was conflating with NWS for there for a second, uh, ignoring the league's cup, but focusing on the regular season. I think if they do that, and depending on the moves that are made, we we obviously we're not in January, you know, we, and we're not future seers. I wish we were; it would make my life a lot easier. I think there's a lot here that I like. I think they they're looking at like one or two major impact moves in the offseason to kind of see this thing through. And I'm interested to see where they're looking. Obviously, center back seems to be a position that they're looking at. They seem very confident with Cáceres, and 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 he's going to the World Cup with Uruguay, but he's on the wrong side of 30 in a way that there's a lot of mileage on those legs that doesn't make me think he can do a full MLS season simply because of the travel, the the wear and tear that MLS induces on you. Um, I think they're probably looking at outside back. I'm not entirely sure Julian stays for the for the winter. I think there's a team in Europe that could basically say, hey, look, you know, we we want a piece of that. Maybe in the Netherlands or something like that. You know, I I, I just think there are so much like what 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 Greg did or what what Vanny did so well is that he established a framework to build around, which is that midfield triumvirate of Brugman, Pooch, and Delgado, right? Like, he established that as the core of this team. It's going to be useful from there. Now they have to build around that core. How do you build around that core? That's the question of this offseason. Yeah, and then, of course, the first, uh, and we'll get into this, you know, as, as you follow us every week, um, even with the off season, we'll find things to record about, by the way, world cup coverage. I was going to say, we might um, have, a, we might have a winter world cup coming up. Yeah. But, uh, I meant like with the Rose bowl game where we already know is going to be like how the galaxy season gets kicked off. Um, yeah, there's going to be so much, uh, to look forward to. And like you said, with the league's cup and everything for the galaxy to just, yeah, have, have that not be like an exhibition game but you know it's the start of the season like it it definitely feels like a cash grab like it's you know like i wouldn't fret too much about about that kind of kind of game especially facing um mls cup champions so um you know just looking forward to, to having fun at that match um and see yeah what moves the galaxy do and how they're going to prepare for the upcoming season um and what's next for mls i mean mls as a league is unlike any other it's moving to apple tv and uh you know like i said like the schedule is adjusting i mean there's there's going to be a lot that's going to be different that is again probably throwing a wrench in what we know about this league and about our own teams that it's going to make us say all right <laughs> now now this is the most mls season that you're ever going to see you know uh, yeah no, there's no question um uh, and, and i mean that first that El Trafico, if anyone tries to take stock in that for the first game of the season, I, I will refer you to the Christian Conway guide to MLS, which is never trust a team until they're five games into the season. So don't put too much stock in that first game. However, if we do kick butt, obviously, gloat, gloat, gloat. Because oh, yeah. you no, know, if, I mean if, the Rose Bowl is the galaxy's original home. It, it is the spiritual home of the galaxy. And if we win that game, we're winning MLS Cup, no questions. But if we lose that, don't trust any team until they're five games into the season. So that's it, as we did say. Um, yeah, we've got a World Cup in the winter. 
it's happening and you know it's actually happening during thanksgiving break and i get to be off and watch those first weeks of games and i was just telling christian that you know we're actually trying and you're gonna hear my dog. yep in the background um she's excited for the cup games guys she'll be there watching um at all hours with me so you know, I'm trying to schedule things with my students so that way, we, you know, we can have them watch the games. Like, this is an amazing opportunity. I've got students that don't even know where some of these countries are from geographically, you know? And it's like, yeah, let's put these things on a map. Let's get some kids introduced into soccer. I know some kids are already, you know, um, really excited about it. So speaking of, I mean, that's not the only reason why we're recording. But, you know, the U.S. men kick off. Um, at 11 a.m. on the 21st and so the roster is out and you know it's obviously not a surprise but just uh you know there's no LA Galaxy players on this roster um, and it was a little bit of a surprise of who got left off Christian yeah um, I think there's there's two big flashpoints on this roster obviously injuries have decimated the center back position for the U.S. men's national team there's no question I mean I would really like, you know, Chris Richards and Miles Robinson to be here. Both of them are struggling with long-term injuries. Miles Robinson, I believe, with an ACL. Chris Richards with a quad problem. Um, the, the the two big flashpoints, one of them I would say is less controversial than the other, is the fact that they left Zach Steffen at home. Uh, I, I think that that is a, a very, uh, I'd say a very deliberate move to kind of remind everyone that, okay, Matt Turner is the number one. That's it. No debate anymore. Matt Turner's the number one goalkeeper. We're not going to hear out any other, you know, kind of claim to that throne. I'm okay with that. I agree with that. Also, Zach Steffen's stock has fallen pretty significantly. Um, I, I don't, I mean, you look at the other backup goalkeepers, Sean Johnson, we've seen him with New York City for multiple years. He's fantastic. Uh, Ethan Horvath, the hero of the, of the Nations League. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with that. The other big kind of gamble, I would say, is Haji Wright over Pifak and Ariola? I don't know if I agree with this. I I can understand where Bear Halter is coming from, which is the sense that no other American has scored more goals in Europe this year than Haji Wright. He's not playing at a high level, though. He's playing in the second division of, of, of Turkey. Um, you can say something in terms of just he's the hot hand at this moment in time, and World Cup rosters are built around playing the hot hand at the right moment. I mean, Thomas Rodriguez in 2014 is a very clear example of this. But I just question whether this makes a ton of sense. I think Paul Ariola had a fantastic season in MLS this year. I thought he probably deserved it. Um, you know, Jordan Morris going, I, I don't think it's as controversial as everyone says it is. Um, I think a lot of people lost their brains about that. But Jordan Morris has been nothing if not reliable for the U.S. men's national team and the Seattle Sounders. Um Christian Roldan, I could make an argument that he probably shouldn't be there. But again, the most important thing to take away from this roster, and everyone's getting hung up on the thing they shouldn't be getting hung up on, right? Which is it's a 23 person, or it's a 26 person roster, and everyone's like getting hung up on 21 through 26. You shouldn't be getting hung up on that. Like that is a, a coach making decisions that probably in the long term and in the grand scope of things aren't really going to affect anything. You need to be focusing on 1 through 20. And if you look at 1 through 20, and especially the starting 11, which I think we kind of all know, all of them are healthy, all of them are getting regular reps at their clubs, and all of them are playing in pretty good form. That's all you need. 
the 21 through 26 bit that's got everyone in flames in terms of leaving, you know, Paul Areola out and PFOC out and bringing Haji Wright and bringing Christian Roldan. Don't worry about that. Like that, that that's fine. Just, just, just put a wall there. Okay. The one through 20, the fact that they're healthy playing well and they're getting consistent reps is the most important thing, especially now considering we are about, we are officially 11 days away from the first game that the United States will play. So there's no time to prepare, but at least we know that at least for most of the midfield, a lot of the starting 11 in terms of goal, um, excuse me, in terms of defense, midfield and striker, they've been playing consistent soccer. That's the most important thing. And if I think if you focus on that, then this roster looks actually a little bit better than when I first saw it. And I was like, Oh God, I don't know. Um, in terms of the player that I think has the two players that have the biggest um, either the biggest burden or the biggest upside in terms of how they can prove their their future careers. It's got to be Yunus Musa and Luca De La Torre. I mean, those, those two have to have big tournaments coming off the bench being useful. If they can do that, I think the United States makes it out of this group. I don't think Wales is that particularly good. Joe Roden's been kind of bad. Gareth Bale's done, you know, nut all outside of scoring and MLS Cup winning goal, theoretically. Um and then you look at that that defense in, in, in Wales, and it's, it's been a little bit kind of questionable. Iran, very good team, very old team. England, still I question some structural stuff there. And then if they get into the round of 16, there's a good chance they play Qatar in the round of 16. And that's a game the United States should win pretty handily. Now, in the quarterfinal, they'll probably run into Argentina, and that will be, you know, game over. But I, I, I like this lineup. I think a lot of people got hung up on the wrong things. Yeah, I understand the concerns. I mean, I can hear Jamie just saying we're not making it out of the group stage. So when Christian, you said that, I was like, I don't think we're making it out of the group stage. But, you know, I, yeah, again, this team has a lot of potential. Like you said, um, actually, I think our goal, our goalkeepers are are pretty good, but you only need one. Um, you know, the forwards, look, just score boys like <laughs> that's all that they really need to do i just hope these guys can gel i hope that they can sync up um obviously none of them play together um there's few mlsers on here than before um yeah i i mean it is exciting to see this number of mls teams on uh us men's national team you know which just says something about the development um I, I do want this team obviously to do well. Um, I'm a U.S. men's national team fan in case that wasn't clear. Um, but I, I know that, you know, after missing a world cup and, you know, we're going in with such little faith. Uh, I, I don't even think my expectations are low. I'm just tired of the U.S. men getting, you know, as much shade as they get for, for being American soccer and for everything, everybody criticizes American soccer for. And it's like, oh yeah, well, here's the U S and, you know, they're not, you know, they, you know, it's like, you know, they're baseball players, they're football players, they're not soccer players, you know? And, and I just want this team to, to just, you know, give it their, give it their all, give it a good go. Let me play the optimist here real quick. I actually do believe they're going to get out of the group very easily because I look at this team and I look at the fact that Wales is going to play defensively. If you watch them in that tie against Ukraine and go back to that game because Ukraine played them off the field and they were exhausted. Wales hangs on in games. The thing about it is problem with Ukraine is they didn't have someone that was lethal in the final third. The United States has Timmy Weah, you know, Gio Reyna, Josh Sargent, Christian Pulisic, you know, Jesus Ferreira, even Jordan Morris. Like, I mean, 
they're going to get themselves through games. And also, when we talk about World Cups, we talk about not just the group that you're in, but the order in which you play, right? So if the United States had opened against England, for example, I'd be a lot more pessimistic. But the fact that they open against a Wales side that doesn't really score goals, and then a Iran side that vacillates wildly between being very bad and being very good, when they're very good, they're not that good, you know, kind of thing. I just, I, like, they could get to that England game with six points, and they're fine. They're safe. Everything's great. So I, I'm very confident right now that they're getting out of the group. Once that happens, then you're subject to the wins of draw, and that's a, a different entire story. But looking at this 23, or 26, excuse me, and I know we're running out of time, I feel confident in this group of 26. I think that first game against Wales, especially that first 20 minutes, because a lot of these players haven't been here, is going to be incredibly critical for the next, you know, three games after that. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, have a lot more to say. And and yeah, we'll be watching and we'll be keeping you informed. Uh, I know the hours are kind of crazy, but we'll be able to keep you covered. So thanks again for listening. I am a little worried about that England team, but what do I know about um, England? So <laughs> here we go. And uh, thanks again. Stay tuned. See, See you next week. See you next week for the Simplice.